from an outside perspective, one could say you went from zero to hero. That's that's correct. So you have suddenly a lot of friends and women, and, and uh, you know you have a lavish life. You 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 can afford a lot of things. No, I I, I think that it became problematic. Alcohol, the long nights, the the parties, uh, being part of this this glamorous society doesn't match to what the reality is. Then I realized, what am I actually doing here? Pavel, I would like to talk to you today about what it means when uh, someone becomes very successful also financially at a relatively young age and might not be prepared for that. Uh, what can happen? Um, the kind of emotional roller coaster one can go through. Um, and uh, I would like to hear a bit about your personal story um, of suffering, but also of self-finding and self-development, which I think is relevant to a lot of people who uh, go through a similar process in life. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, those crucial years um, that shaped in some ways uh, who you are today and why you're here today? Thank you, Jan. I really, really appreciate the question and um, you know I think that everyone dreams of becoming successful and uh, wealthy but uh, you know once you are in that situation everything becomes different and um, obviously you have you have suddenly a lot of friends and and uh, women and and uh, you know, you have a lavish life, you, you, you can afford a lot of things, but um, you have uh, also a lot of wrong friends. And uh, you start, I mean, that was the case for me, to compensate once you overnight more or less successful and, and rich, um, you have uh, a lot of challenges and then you, that was the case for me. Uh, I had a lot of unresolved traumas and challenges from my childhood. And uh, unknowingly, I started uh, to compensate with a uh, very toxic and unhealthy mm. lifestyle. Let's get to that in a second. Uh, why don't you tell us very briefly about those couple of crucial years where you became very successful. What happened? What did you do? Um, you know, I, I met someone uh, in Switzerland, in, in Zurich, who became uh, my mentor, who was a, is a public figure and, and um, famous hedge fund manager, and who himself also became very successful very quickly. And um, and earned the money himself without uh, any support from family. And um, so he was um, endorsing me and um, he was the stepping stone to my success. And um, at the same time, he also was compensating in his own way. And he went through his own story himself and so 
he was my role model at that. in good ways and in, in, bad in good ways, ways and in, in bad ways and um obviously i did not know at that time that that it was also in a bad way and um but um looking back i think that um everything happens for a reason and uh, even the bad things that happened uh, gave me lots of lessons so, so from um just so we have a, a bit of a context um from an outside perspective one could say you went from zero to hero within a very short period of time or was it a few months a year where you became immensely successful in hedge funds and, uh, yes. uh, and also very very wealthy almost overnight that's that's correct so it was a approximately a year a year and and, and i uh, received um, exorbitant bonuses and um you know i and at the same time i was flying on private jets with my mentor and and sometimes i was taking a private jet myself and you know there's a great tendency to suddenly think you are the you know master of the universe and uh, you know there was there was no no such thing as a no was it uh, problematic from the beginning or what was development how how did it possibly turn for you maybe you can just briefly take us through that journey from when you first made your you know your, your first millions or tens of millions and um, what did it do to you was it good at the beginning where did it become problematic no I, I I think that it became problematic when I when I am when I'm you know when the consumption of alcohol the long nights the the parties and uh, you know I always had a feeling uh, I had to attend everywhere, uh, whether it's a party in Monaco, uh, and a reception in uh, Paris, or it's it's a boat party in in, in on the Ibiza island. So I mean, from the outside, that sounds very glamorous. So I I felt like like I could not miss out on anything and. Um, I guess that was a problem that um, that also derived from my childhood, and um, so it was a kind of a feeling that that I had to be everywhere, and I had to be part of everything, and um, otherwise, uh, you know, there were no healthy limits, no healthy boundaries. No, I could not let go and say, oh, I'm going to sleep today and uh, I will do it next time. And um, that sounds very exhausting from an outside perspective. It was at some point, it became uh, very exhausting. That is um, absolutely the case. And, um, and you know, then at the same time, I, I had to always perform well. And um, so how did you ensure that you could perform whilst at the same time exhausting yourself in this lifestyle? Um, I guess that there were a lot of ways to, uh, to do it. And, and we all know that, um, especially in the financial world and in, in, in the high 
life, flying um, society. You have all kinds of, you know, um, how should I say it? We are, <laughs> after all, uh, a clinic that helps people with uh, also substance uh, issues. So we can say it right out. We're talking about cocaine, aren't we? Yes, we talk about cocaine. That's true. So that was um, nothing unusual in this world. And um, we would be surprised how many people do it. I mean, um, most of the people I wouldn't have expected it did it in one way or another. Um, it's always a question and to what extent you do it. Let's talk about, uh, was there a moment where you realized this is going in the wrong direction? You have to do something or even before realizing you have to do something that this is not working. Yeah, there were a lot of, actually there were a lot of moments like that. But, you know, I was always a fighter. So I always said to myself, at some point I realized that it was an illusion, but I always said to myself, no, this is, this is good. You're gonna, you're gonna manage it. You're gonna get over it. And, and yes, it's getting out of control, but you mm. will be fine. Mm. You, you can do it, you know, because for me, I was always used to the fact that I could uh, take upon any challenge and I would master it myself. Mm. So that this, this, is, this is an attitude that have, has been always a um, constant part of my life. So, and, so that uh, kept you going even though so, part of you realized that so uh, it's People are always, always asking, how do you manage? Mm. You know, you are always here, you're always there and you always, you know, that I guess the, my genes and my energetic way of being helped uh, a lot as well. But um, at some point, so I lived in I lived in New York and I, I lived in London and in Zurich and at the same time and traveling back and forth. But at some point, slowly, slowly, I realized uh, it's not manageable. And and you know I wished that that I would have realized that much earlier, because uh, it it costed me years years of um, suffering. Did something specific happen where the first realizations came? Do you, do you remember how that process of, let's say, insight started? Yeah, I mean, first I started to realize that the vision of what it means uh, being part of this, this glamorous society um, doesn't match to what the reality is. In how far? Um, What's the gap? You know, uh, I, I slowly, gra gradually started um, realizing that that a lot of people are quite fake. You know, that if you really, really need friends and if you um, really need someone um, to just listen to you and uh, to give you an honest opinion. Uh, people, they, they want to 
have fun with you. They want to party with you. And um, it's some, in some ways, I realized that, that they are all kind of running away from something. Everyone uh, carries their own burden. Would you say that uh, at that time you were also a fake towards to the outside? To a certain extent, yes. But I realized um, quickly that that's not the life I want to represent and or live. And that, what happened? What what kind of thought process? So first, uh, first, what what happened uh, was that 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 I still couldn't let go of the life because it was um, very intriguing at the same time, despite of being so toxic. So I kept on going and, um, and still played the game. And uh, um, I, w I wished that um, it wouldn't have took me that long, but um, until I finally realized that um, that uh, this is not the way I want to live. Can you maybe give us a, a one or two concrete examples where this realization happened and, and, and why in this specific moment? So I remember once, um, I woke up in a, in a big uh, suite in a hotel in Monaco. And I um, saw a lot of people sleeping on the couch and, and uh, in the one room and in the other room. And then I realized, what am I actually doing here? I felt very, very sad because I realized that the only thing that connects us was this so-called party life and um, fun. And um, so I was sitting there and I was asking myself, what would I advise someone who was as jaded as I was at that time. You know, on one hand, I really wanted to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I felt desperate and I did not know how. And um, so I lost trust in, in, in myself mm -hmm. because I, I could not say it to myself anymore you will change everything tomorrow because I have done that so many times. I have said that I have uh, taken those vows so many times. And, and then I arrived at this point where I said, okay, you cannot say it, you will change it because you haven't changed it so far. And so I realized that desperateness. Let's talk about that point you just mentioned. Was there, is there a specific memory where in a specific place did something specific happen 
Yeah, I would say it was it was just an emotional realization. It was like suddenly. So one of these mornings after a yeah, party, I uh, I said, "This is not how I want to live," and um, you know I remember another episode where where I was on a boat um, that I have charted with two friends and obviously it was the same type of scenery, you know, women, drugs, alcohol. And I woke up, it was like five o'clock in the morning and it, it was a one week or 10 days trip, but the trip was almost over. And we were going back from Sardinia to South of France. And I went up to the deck and I realized that I barely remember anything from this trip and that we apparently had some fun but i felt like i have nothing to show for it that because everything was like so too much and um, suddenly the sun started rising and i started crying and in that moment I felt like everyone who is there and is sleeping at the moment I have actually nothing to do with them that sounds and, sounds like a very lonely place and I felt very 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 lonely in that moment and I think this is an incident that I will never ever forget in my life because I never felt that lonely. Tell me, talk about loneliness a little bit, uh, your own experience, and uh, maybe can uh, generalize a little bit. Um, does wealth or significant wealth or coming to wealth um, have an implication on loneliness or connectedness? for the person affected? Absolutely. I think that, unfortunately, money is one of the most toxic and deceiving tools that creates lots of pain and disarray in our society. Actually, I, I sometimes like to say, so money is a very powerful tool. It can be very powerful to achieve great things and it can be equally very, very destructive. Just one has to be able to handle the tool. The problem is most people are not trained. And in a way, I like to you know, see that analogy uh, also with you. And the classic are lottery winners uh, suddenly coming to you know, massive wealth and not prepared for it. Um, their environment, their relationships are not uh, prepared for it. Um, and after the first rush of bliss and happiness, uh, it normally 
quickly turns into something very um, destructive. And that can equally be the case with uh, you know people who build a business or a career, uh, with, you know, big bonuses or they have a liquidity event when they when they sell a company. Um, so that that part. So I think it's it's the preparedness or not uh, preparedness that plays to some degree a role in that. Would you agree to that, or how do you? Yes, see this? absolutely. I, I found I, myself. I felt very overwhelmed by the sudden arrival of wealth and um, I did have good virtues in my life and principles but um, not being prepared I was so blinded by this life that um, I kind of, um, at least temporarily, uh, have totally forgotten about my purposes mm. and my goals. And um, so, with that being said, I believe that um, money and wealth can be a very toxic destruction to um, getting help and no, it brings us away from us. So from ourselves, from ourselves, yes. in a way, also from from other people. Right? We, we just talked about the feeling of loneliness, um, and we as human beings, we need connections. We are herd animals. We we can't go through life alone. It's it's it's, it's like a flower that's you know it, it's not taken care of. We will wither and die. Um, and when we're in such a lonely place, we can be. Part of a vicious circle right so absolutely so if you're lonely and because that's a very painful feeling what do you do you there are drugs there is certain lifestyles there there are things one can do to numb these feelings of of loneliness and sadness i have a lot of uh, friends who are very wealthy but have a very unhealthy lifestyle and um, for me it's clear that that the wealth also I mean gives them the confirmation you know look at me I'm, I'm successful I, I do I must be doing something right and so this is the uh, double edge sword is that maybe also why it's hard to get out to because you're in a narrative of this is who I am. It's kind of the, you take a self worth and confirmation from this success and also from showing this success to some degree. And the change required to move away from that would also require changes in, you know, how you present yourself, maybe which friends you have, which yeah. relationships you have. I think that, uh, you know, even most of the people say, oh, you know, I don't care what other people say on what they think of the society says, but it's not true. Mm. Most of the time they they do become prey to the society's perception and they do have a feeling and a kind of pressure. They have to live up to certain images. And I had that too. And I think a lot of other people have, and I think it, uh, celebrities have that. 
and um, it's difficult if you cannot be yourself, you know, because you are being judged and because, because people are, you know, saying things about you. And um, that also propels the vicious cycle. Mm. And let's talk about that uh, society view a little bit. I mean, um, celebrities who are, who are widely known, um, society says all sorts of things about them. With society, I mean, you know, mostly either tabloid newspapers or the comment section in, in, in social media. You had a bit of an experience like that. There was some, uh, 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 news articles about you as a as a connoisseur that you there was a time in life where you visited all three star michelin restaurants in the world within was it a year's time <laughs> yes well i did it actually twice <laughs> or twice even and that you spent well over a million on the whole journey and obviously that's you know to some people that can be a wow cool reaction mm -hmm. but uh, it will create a lot of negative uh, uh reactions as well uh, let's call it haters um did you did you read those comment sections? What did it do with you when people kind of rip you apart without even actually knowing you? You know, I can I can say that I'm, I'm sure it can be very um, toxic for a lot of people. To me personally, I did it for fun, and I and I did not really pay attention to what other people really uh, think about that. Um, no, for me, it's it's a passion. And um, there, I see a lot of purpose in it. I also went and trained with chefs and worked and cleaned the kitchen like everybody else did and worked as a stagiaire and, and trainee and, and, and um, you know, I, those were the things, the, the finding purpose and um, investing in my passion that I was privileged to do after my time at Paracelsus. So let's maybe talk exactly about that. So when somebody uh, like you, when you found yourself uh, in this you know, position of loneliness, of pain, realization that uh, things cannot go on like this, um, I want to talk in a minute about, you know, that decision to go to rehab, to, to, to get professional help. Um, and then I want to talk about purpose because you've just talked about your passion for, for food, for fine dining, or uh, also I understand local uh, specialties all over the world. Yeah. Probably we can pick a random country and you can name a few, a few yes. specialties. Um, that gives purpose. So maybe let's first talk about the importance of having a purpose, no matter what it is. I mean, it can be a career path, right? It can be family, it can be hobbies. Um, but at the time on that boat, uh, for instance, where you felt lonely and lost, uh, is it fair to say also you had no purpose? You didn't know what you actually did this for? I would say that I always had goals. I always had purposes and I had, you know, good intentions for myself and for people around me. But the way everything manifested, mm. I felt overwhelmed. And because of that, I 
lost those purposes. We people, we don't need actually that much to be happy. Mm -hmm. But once we get into this unhealthy cycle, we start pursuing things and believing that's who we are and that, that's what we need that have actually nothing to do mm. with ourselves and who we, are, who we are and what are our purposes. Could, is, could one say that wealth slash fame uh, can be a distraction from who we really are and what would really make us happy? Definitely, unless you you go through this self-finding process, and uh, and I, I believe that always involves lots of failures and lots of pain, which are learning opportunities. Exactly, yeah. and um, this is what I actually like about uh, America. You know, uh, in America, you can fail, you can, you know, disappoint. And um, there's no taboo. No, whereas in Europe, and you fail, everyone starts pointing out at you. And it's difficult to capitalize on failures and turn it into a success story. That's actually an interesting point. Um, maybe a quick detour into the cultural dimension of success slash wealth slash power slash how we present ourselves. Um, I think, for instance, Japan is an extreme culture uh, of you know, external expectations and people having to live up to these expectations. Uh, Europe is probably somewhere in between. The US uh, is maybe a bit twofold. But um, when you find yourself in a place uh, where you have built a certain reputation, maybe I call it also a certain facade, a certain role, um, and then things don't go so smoothly. Um, would it be fair to say that in a European context, getting out of that problematic crunch um, would be more of a challenge and people might be more, you know, trying to delay that or self-medicate anxiety around that, where in a, let's say, more accepting environment like the United States, for instance, um, there's an easier way out? Most definitely. Most definitely, and I and I don't understand why those people here are doing it to themselves. Why is it so important to live up to certain images? Because at the end of the day, everyone has a desire just to be be accepted and uh, be appreciated for who they are and, and, and everyone is different and, and we should um, cherish and celebrate the differences and should um, help and um, respect each other. And these are very beautiful words and intentions. I believe one aspect so, uh, is, we can talk about this now, is shame. Um, when a kid is born, you know, running around naked, making messes, making fool of himself, there's no shame. Yes. Shame is not something we have in our DNA. But shame is something 
that is ingrained in us depending on our cultural context, our parents. Um, and there's definitely a lot of shame that dictates also uh, a fear of failure. Because failure in certain uh, cultural contexts means I have to be ashamed of myself. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I didn't, I didn't manage. Um, and in another cultural context, maybe more in, in a North American one, there is the realization that there's a lot of external factors if you are successful or not. You know, as an entrepreneur, there um, you have to be at the right time, at the right place. You have to get uh, the right funding and so on. There's a lot of luck involved, apart from hard work and intelligence and, uh, and intentions. Um, and I think shame also is not just a potential destructive force, but it can keep somebody in that destructive cycle because also shame towards oneself, admitting to yourself, I messed up. I'm in a place that I don't want to be in a place that's not good for me. Um, a lot of people react with shame to that, which can keep them in that bubble. Did you feel shame? You know, at some point I just felt relieved. I felt like, okay, I want to share all of it that I did wrong and I want to repair it. And first and foremost, I wanted to, to get out of this crazy, vicious circle. So that relief came once you made that conscious step and not only thought about it, but actually yeah. made it. Let's maybe talk about that. So uh, at some point you went to rehab. Yes. What happened in those days or weeks? So I must say that, that before I came here, I have been to other rehabs as well. And, and back then I, I called it more like uh, burnout. So I, I didn't think that um, I drank too much alcohol and didn't sleep enough and um, or any other consumptions. It was more like, oh, I need a break and, mm -hmm. and the work is too hard and, and, and you know, my, my life is a little bit um, out of the norm. But, um, but end of 2014, that was where, where, I, where I just really, I was re ready. I was, I hit the rock bottom. It's, so you took the phone and you called up a rehab to book a place? Uh, by, the, by then, I, I mean, I, I, I had a friend who was at uh, Paracelsus before me and he told me about it. And um, I actually said, yes, I, I know of this place and um, I know the owner, but, but more like briefly. And um, so when I contacted uh, Paracelsus at that time and, um, and obviously this is a very, very different experience from a usual rehab. 
I mean, this is um, goes without saying. It's coming here is is like almost like going to the best suit tailor in Naples in south of Italy. You know that everything is tailored to your needs and they choose the best fabrics so you could translate it here they choose the best treatments that you know you don't know what it looks like until you arrive here and um, that was uh, extremely revealing for me because I guess, or that's how I perceived it, or that's how I experienced it, that only after I arrived here, I started to understand the scope of the issues I have been facing. So it's fair to say that uh, this stay at, at Paris Health Recovery was uh, maybe a final stepping stone or transformation to let's call it a better life now i would say it was my best uh, the best investment i have done in my life <laughs> and then a few years after that you decided to to join paracelsus recovery as as a partner what's yeah. what's your what's your intention thought process behind that obviously i know but i think it's uh, it's intriguing to to hear from you. So, especially in my time of um, sobriety, I kept, you know, searching for a purpose, and I kept asking myself, "Okay, now you are not anymore in all those places." I went back to a lot of places, but it. it everything happened in a different way so obviously my, my, my priorities my focus has changed and um, it was actually very very good that uh, I went back to places like Saint-Tropez and, and um, uh, Ibiza and, and um, you know many other places that I used to frequent but this time I was sober, sober and clean. And um, first of all, what I, what I realized that I really, really felt actually bored there. I felt like, wow, this was me. I was like this too. And um, so slowly I came to this realization that, um, you know, that in fact, there were actually uh, few people from my former drinking buddies who said, um, you know, I admire you. Mm. How did you do that? Mm. And I said it was a very painful, long, painful and, and strenuous process. But um, I feel better now. I'm at a much better place today. And um, so I could sense that there was a little bit what I would call 
envy from their side that they would like to but also like myself didn't know how and um, I would never say that, that, that living that that life uh, leading a sober life sober and clean life um, is an easier life it has a lot of challenges mm-hmm. but but and that's the determining factor for me you, you become more true to yourself and you start better understanding yourself and you start feeling a different notion of happiness that you can never ever get from drugging or drinking mm-hmm. or like being a, in that bubble like a deeper connection a to your inner self and by extension also to people around you yeah mm-hmm. so it's almost like uh, like you know you know it's like overcoming certain barriers so you know you overcome certain hurdles once you do it you're, you're kind of happy about it you're And how did that lead you to leaving the financial industry and actually moving into completely different fields, a field of helping people who were in a similar situation such as yourself? So obviously my realization was if it worked for me, me of all people, (laughs) you know, I had the reputation to be very, very extreme and very very crazy people you used to always say where do you get this energy from i mean like i could go on for four or five days and without sleeping and um, so i realized if it worked for me it must work for everyone else so the intention was to become an ambassador and um, i realized that that I could, you know, make a difference in people's lives. And, um, and I do that. And I do it with people who have the means to come here and who don't have the means to come here. I know some friends from my childhood who I talk to on a regular basis and um, and I believe that there's always something they will will remember at a certain point when it becomes critical. Mm. And um, yeah, money, no money, as we both know, pain is real with or without money. And in the end, we are all human beings. It doesn't matter how much money somebody is in the bank account yeah um, and as we just discussed money can be also a great distraction let's maybe uh quickly uh before we conclude talk about energy <laughs> you said people uh were saying that uh, they can't believe where you get all this energy from um i'd like to make that quick uh, detour to the topic of uh, ADHD. Um, 
we know that uh, this is something that uh, you're blessed or cursed with. It's a two-bladed sword. Um, and actually a lot of self-made successful people uh, have some form of, uh, of ADHD because on the one side, it gives you a lot of drive, cannot let go. It's also uh, kind of an, an anxious way of always being on, on, uh, on drive uh, to, to be on top of things. At the same time, it can also be very exhausting and overwhelming. There is plenty of studies that, um, that show a certain correlation of uh, you know, incidence of ADHD and, and, uh, and alcohol abuse or other substances as well. Um, did that play a role in both your rise and then your problematic part of your journey? And how, how is your relationship with, with this diagnosis today? It definitely played a big role and, um, you know, and, and has been propelled also by drugs and, um, and it played a great role in my success. So I'm very, very, uh, obsessive in the things I, you know, the way I, I do things and at the same time, very dedicated. So I, I, I can't let go until I, I find uh, the right, a satisfying outcome. So this, you know, it's, as you rightfully mentioned, is a good and a bad thing at the same time. And, um, but I found a way to, I mean, a lot, what helps me personally is, is awareness and you can practice awareness through meditation and through really, really finding time for yourself, which, which I do, even if it's sometimes two minutes, you know, I, I just, in the evening, I just close my eyes and, and do a kind of quick inventory for myself. What happened today? What was good? What was not so good? And, and um, so, and I reflect and then I realize, oh, you know, you were actually quite nasty to someone. And then I say, okay, I'm gonna put this on my list, the first thing tomorrow morning, I will call that person up and will say, look, it wasn't meant that way. I'm sorry about that. And, and, um, so this is a uh, part of a, of a toolbox that, yeah. uh, you learn partially through going through therapy, through a rehab process and partially, uh, also by honing, uh, your own skills, uh, yeah. you're a big, uh, autodidact, you learn a lot, uh, yourself and as uh, some people said uh, you have the reputation of being quite extreme so when uh, you do something you do it yeah. like like the other day you were fasting but you went right away for a five-day fast yeah. uh, from uh, from <laughs> the beginning um i think this toolbox um that we all should carry through life some are better equipped some toolbox are quite empty or some of them have the wrong tools in it and uh, I think a lot of this uh, recovery process through therapy slash rehab, but also through our own practice and reflection 
getting these right coping mechanisms to deal with whatever life throws at us, the triggers, um, the pain that still, you know, will always be part of uh, human existence, that we can react to it in a not self-constructing or outward, uh, uh, sorry, self-destructing or uh, outwards destructing way, uh, but actually deal with it as in a, a, as good manner as we can. And meditation is one example. Um, it can be breathing techniques or, or just taking a couple of minutes of, of going inward. Um, there's a, an array of coping mechanisms that uh, people can also learn in therapy. So I would encourage everybody who um, you know, goes through rough patches, who feels themselves lost and in pain um, to try, which can be difficult in that moment, but to take a step back and, and reflect, am I, am I using the right tools? Or do I even have tools at my disposal to get out of this? And if not, consider to to get help. There's no shame in in uh, in getting help. Um, we are human beings, and sometimes um, the pain can be so strong that we cannot find our way out of it uh, on our own. Um, I would like to thank you, Pavel, for sharing so openly about your history your emotions. Um, I hope this can come to uh, as an inspiration to, to some people who find themselves in a place you were a few years ago and see that um, there is hope. That's my great pleasure. Thank you for having me here and uh, giving me the chance to, to share a little bit. And I always say, you know, one day can be also day one.